Good afternoon and welcome to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. Uh, to call into the show today, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. My office is conveniently located at 904 South Missouri Avenue in Lakeland. That's behind the old Southside Dry Cleaners that's on South Florida Avenue. My building and parking lot butt up to the back of the building of the Southside Dry Cleaners. Today I thought we would go into something that is a very uh, recent uh, development. It was the oral arguments as it would relate to a Second Amendment case, a case involving the issuance of concealed weapons licenses within the state of New York, and it's an ongoing battle that not only does the NRA have, but several other uh, gun rights advocate groups, as well as individuals have, to try to protect our, our Second Amendment right to be able to own, possess, and carry firearms. And I, I thought we'd go into how that uh, oral argument went last week. I'll do an analysis of the analysis that the court is going to be undertaking on this. Um, but first, I want to give you the 27 words that's what this is all about to begin with. And I say that our founding fathers felt so strongly that they put in an entire amendment in the Bill of Rights dealing with the ability of private gun ownership or individual gun ownership. Uh, they listed it as the Second Amendment. We hear it quite frequently listed as the Second Amendment. And basically it states a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It does not say that you have to engage in or be part of a militia, because as we all know, the militias were formed at the revolutionary time and actually were the ones that began defending our homeland or trying to uh, excommunicate us, so to speak, from the British, through militias. We we really did not have an army or a standing army for a period of time. It was the militias that were engaging in the battles with the British regulars, and those militias were comprised of the local blacksmith, the local tailor, uh, the local shop owner, the local farmers. That was your militia, the, each individual person. And the guns that they owned and they used in battle were not something that was purchased through the U.S. government. It was their own private guns that they had, the Kentucky Long Rifles. Uh, they even Some of them probably had what we would call Brown Besses, which were the, the guns that were issued to the British, uh, which, quite frankly, they were terrible, but that's what they had. That, that's what they gave their general soldiers. Um, our Kentucky Long Rifles far outperformed the Brown Bess of the British Army. Uh, and it, it, part of the reason that the Kentucky Long Rifle was even developed was so that people would be able to, quote, hunt with it and therefore provide for their families. It was intended to be a better, accurate weapon. But it, the whole idea behind the Second Amendment, and it's those 27 words that we keep going back to, is what we're continually seeing <clears throat> in ongoing battles uh, within the court system as it would relate to certain states anyway. And I'm going to list some of those states later because they're all ones that have 
very restrictive concealed weapons permit um, types of application processes and permitting. And in this case, the one that we are dealing with today is the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. That's B-R-U-E-N for anybody that wants to look it up. Uh, The oral arguments were heard last Wednesday, November 3rd, and it, it apparently became obvious, while I didn't get to hear the actual arguments themselves, I've done the research on it, and it became kind of obvious which way the court at least initially looks like they're headed on this. Um, it, it involved two people that brought the lawsuit through the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, a Robert Nash and Brandon Coach. Um, and they both had made the application process for a concealed weapons permit, which would allow them to carry a firearm on them in a concealed fashion in the state of New York. Now, before we get into what this case was all about, we need to remember, and I've discussed this on previous shows, of the more recent history of the Heller and McDonald decisions, both written by Justice Anton Scalia, who is now deceased and not on the court anymore, but his words of wisdom have uh, apparently had an effect on even the existing court, and they were quite frankly citing to it during the uh, argument process, uh, Heller was originally the one that was decided uh, where they were trying to restrict ownership of, of firearms in your own home, and that was in the District of Columbia, and that was struck down. Well, some of the states were saying, okay, that's a federal entity there, so it doesn't apply to our laws. Well, then they, along comes McDonald. Um, an African-American male that lived in Chicago, Illinois, where they were trying to restrict his ability to own a firearm in his own home where he'd been broken into five times. And as a result of that decision, the court found that the same holding of Heller applied in McDonald and applied to all of the states and local entities so that they could not restrict your, your ownership other than through reasonable regulation of a background check, things of that nature, Uh, They couldn't just say, no, you can't have one because we decide you don't get one. And so those decisions are what are the springboard for the current case um, of New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. And like I told you, it involved two people. Uh, Both were denied the permit. There's your surprise of the day. I mean, Whoever thought they would get a permit issued in New York, if you're not part of the ruling class or a celebrity or have huge amounts of political influence, you're not getting a permit in New York under the law that existed uh, pursuant or previous to this case being argued. So both of those had um, completed a firearm safety course. And after the break, I'm going to go into more of what the process is or what the process was in New York. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to the Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney here in Lakeland. To call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863 Six eight eight two three eight nine. That's eight six three 
6882389. We've been talking about the recent oral arguments in front of the United States Supreme Court as it would relate to New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. And I had mentioned that we had the Heller and McDonald decisions that were precursors to this. Uh, Justice Scalia is no longer on the U.S. Supreme Court based on his death. But we are, I believe, now seeing the Trump effect as it would relate to this court. And I'll go into more of that later uh, based on his appointment of three justices to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, which has somewhat shifted the power balance on that to a more conservative uh, approach. Uh, but let's go back to the two people that had requested uh, a to be able to get a concealed carry permit. Oh, caller, go ahead. Yeah, hi Tony. This is Bob. Yeah, um, I'm wondering if there, if you are, if you're aware of any new developments regarding red flag protective orders or that that law. Okay, I, honestly, the answer is no. I don't. I mean, there may be some stuff they're trying to push through to repeal it. I, I I would love I to see it so. repealed. I just don't think at this point it's got enough traction to do it, quite frankly, especially with an election year next year. It, it would take some it would take a major push uh, to try to get it repealed. There's plenty of, of statistical data to show that it's not been that effective. Uh, and in fact, if anything, it's taken a lot of people's rights at, even on a temporary basis from them that ultimately regain their rights back. I think, some of, the, yeah. some of the most recent statistics I saw of the ones that actually contested it, at least 12 to 13 percent got their stuff back, which means yes. it never should have been taken to begin with. And a lot of people go, well, that means 87 percent got taken away. Well, some of those people didn't even contest it. They just kind of rolled over and played dead. If they had contested it, they may have won as well. So when you have that kind of, of rate of return – that tells you that it's being over-abused or overused, whichever way you want to put it. Um, and nobody's rights should be deprived, even on a temporary basis, when it, without it being in good cause. And unfortunately, you're not being, as we've addressed before on RPOs, you're not even able to contest it until after the damage is already done with them having taken the stuff. So, but my, I'm giving you my personal opinion on this. I don't see anything happening with that at all until at least after the next election cycle. Okay. No gun rights organizations filing suit? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Uh, and, again, part of that would be your biggest ones that would have the horsepower to do something like that is the NRA, which, unfortunately, the NRA no. was part of the ones that backed this to begin with. Definitely. Uh, yep. and, I, and I think part of their theory on it was – they were trying to throw water onto a, a smoldering fire to put it out by conceding some things. The problem is every time the NRA concedes something, it ends up affecting individual rights. And we can all say that the NRA is the big bad wolf out there. Well, the problem is they've been very passive in certain circumstances. And I, I don't know whether to call it they're picking their battles to try to make it to where it's going to be a more winnable solution or if it is a situation where uh, they simply are trying to mitigate bigger damage that could occur if they didn't go along with something. Um, I, I don't know the answer to that because I'm, I, while I'm a life member, I'm not part of their executive board to know how they're thinking 
or how they're allocating resources either. Sure. But uh, well, thank- I appreciate your input. Oh, thank no you. problem. Thank you for calling okay. in. I appreciate it as well. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. I think we've got another caller here. Uh, we do. Go ahead, caller. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a firearms trainer, and I'm a friend of Tony Dodds, and I'm calling in for a show. Uh, this is it. you got Tony on the line. Okay. Yes, sir, go ahead. Tony, this is Matt Rossney calling. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Great. So thanks uh, Thanks for letting me on the show. A little background for the listeners. I'm a friend of Tony's. I uh, relocated to Mulberry last year. I'm from New York State, and I'm a firearms trainer. <clears throat> Okay. I still operate my business in New York State as well as in Florida. Okay, so uh, the New York State pistol permit process varies from all fifty-four counties. Oh, I bet, and it, it's probably far worse in New York City than it would be, say, in upstate New York. So yes, and and the reason being is when Big Tim Sullivan uh, passed this law back in nineteen eleven or nineteen twelve, <clears throat> the police commissioner of the city of New York has to approve all the permits, and the police commissioner is appointed by the mayor. So if the mayor's office doesn't want you to have a permit, you're not getting one. Right. Okay. And that, that goes for the five boroughs or actually five counties. And um, that's the way it is in New York City. But if you get a New York State pistol permit from the police commissioner in New York, it's good everywhere in New York State. But you, if you get one from any other county outside of there, it's not good in New York City. So there goes your 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause. Yeah. I mean, that's a real problem. And, again, these are part of the issues now that I think the U.S. Supreme Court is going to be dealing with. Is they? Oh, yeah, they, but the thing, about, the thing about the restricted permits, there's still counties in western New York. In every other county, an elected county court judge is the licensing agent. So go figure that. Here's an impartial judge who has to make a decision on somebody's character without meeting them. Yeah. Okay. So a lot, a lot of them require to take the whole firearm safety class. I train hundreds of people on whole firearm safety class, and in some counties like Livingston County, you can get your permit in six weeks. Some counties like Monroe County could take eighteen months. But uh, counties like uh, Erie County and Wyoming County and Wayne County will restrict you to hunting or target shooting, or in some cases premises only, which means you can't even take the gun off the premises to go take a gun safety class at the range. That's ridiculous. How are you supposed to ever even practice? Because uh, everybody... See, what ended up happening was when this law was passed, okay, so this is this is somewhat historical and people can look them up. Big Tim Sullivan is of Irish uh, descent. And so am I, so I can say this. And at the time, he was uh, involved in criminal activities in the New York City area, loan sharking, et cetera, even though he's a state assemblyman. Okay, and at the time, people from two other different cultural backgrounds started moving into New York City. Um, at that time, I think it was Italians and Jewish people, but to him, it didn't matter. He had other people moving in, and they were, you know, sticking their nose in his activities. So when he wrote the law with the ideology that you needed a license to have a handgun, and that way the city police could pop anybody who had a gun on them that didn't have a permit, whether they were revolved in legal or criminal activity. So that's the background behind it. It had nothing to do with safety. Well, and and let so, me hit on that topic while I've got you online then, or on the uh, radio. The actual, uh, what they denied these guys under is what they call the proper clause, meaning it's quoted proper clause. But really right. what the law says is that the person has to have a special need for self-protection distinguishable yeah. from that of the general community. 
that to me tells me that they're only going to approve it for people that are connected, either celebrities or politicians. Uh, well, it, yes, and it happens more so in the New York City area than anywhere because it, you know it goes back to the police commissioner and the mayor's office. But in the in the in the various counties, like in Monroe County or Livingston County, you know it says right on the application. The application, the original page application. Uh, is the same for all all the counties. The, the, the processes are different, but it says on there what's the purpose for having the gun. So when I applied for my permit back in '78, you know I put down uh, self defense, hunting, and target shooting. So if back then if you didn't have a hunting license, they'd ask you, "You got a hunting license? No. So why are you putting that down? You know, because yeah. you know nobody's going to hunt. Well, people do hunt deer, but back in the '70s, you didn't hunt deer with a 38 special stub nose. You know. No. So what happened was. The judge, the judge is required to make a character decision, and and the judges that I know that handle this one's a Supreme Court judge now. If they sign their name to this, giving you a permission to carry the gun concealed, you do something wrong with it, okay? Or something happens, like say a gun gets stolen, the letter goes on the judge's desk saying that Joe's gun got stolen. So the judge is going to send you a letter saying that. Uh, your permit's suspended, call the local police, turn your guns in, surrender that permit. It will give you 10 days to apply for uh, a hearing. You need a lawyer, lawyer's going to cost you 1500 bucks, thereabouts, and you have to go in and plead your case to the judge, what they call under the Fifth Amendment, uh, you know, your, your right to due process, okay? But still, the onus is on you because the judge, they can say, I just don't like the way it feels, and you're denied. So it's completely arbitrary on each judge and each district in the area on whether you can have a permit or not. Well, and coming from the outside in and looking at this, I'm looking at it, though, but the way that's worded, they're basically saying General Joe Schmo and the community candy wouldn't even apply for one of these things or shouldn't apply because they wouldn't be granted. Exactly. Uh, so the other thing, Tony, is you have to provide four character references to okay. exercise your Second Amendment right. It was kind of interesting that even Elena Kagan thought there was an issue with needing a license. You know, and she's Obama's. Uh, oh, I attorney. understand. Well, so apparently what, what she's happens, apparently she's still coming what? down on party lines on this based on the oral argument. Oh, um, sure, but 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 let me run this by you so the listeners can understand this. So you got to put down four character references from the county you live in that have known you for three years or longer. So if you just move from one county to another, you got to have character references from two different counties. Okay. And, and Matt, the let, let, let me interrupt you for just a second because we've got to go to break. But if you don't mind hanging around, and we'll go over some more of this after the break. Can okay. You, can you do that? Okay. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. To call in, the number is 863-682-1430. That's 863-682-1430. To contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. We've been somewhat graced, with, uh, graced I should say, with a uh, guest caller that called in. Matt has called in, and he taught firearms instruction in New York as well as teaches it here in Florida. Matt, you still with us? Yes, Tony. Uh, let, let me finish up on this point. I know you got another caller, so I don't want to tie it up too e- too late. But let people know, <clears throat> New York, you have to have four character references. 
the character references the sheriff's office. Investigators are going to call him. They're going to ask, how long have you known this person? What are their drinking habits? What do they do when they get upset? Uh, do you think it would be okay if they carried a gun if they would hurt anybody with it? They ask all those questions. And then they also call your wife, your ex-wife, your ex-girlfriend, or your ex-husband or whatever, and ask them quite straight up, do you, are you okay with them having a gun permit? If some one of those persons says no, they don't write it down. They tell the judge that you're getting denied. Now okay? that, so that just means yep, a vindictive ex spouse or or whatever could end up costing you your gun rights. Sure, sure. So that's why you know that's why they ask a question on there. Does your ex wife or ex spouse know you're you're um, um, you know applying for the permit? So the other thing, last thing I'll leave you with is they want to know what your your police record is. So not, they don't want to know what your convictions are. Have you ever been arrested? So here you are, 38 years old. Back when you were 16, you and another guy got popped for trespassing and stealing beer out of somebody's garage. Okay, even though the charges were dropped and it was ACD, uh, conditional discharge, as far as they're concerned, you're a criminal, you're not getting a license. So that's a little background on what goes on in New York, but there are counties in western New York State that do restrict you to hunting and target shooting only. And the interesting thing about this is you have to ret- you have to achieve a New York State concealed carry firearms license before you can even take a basic pistol class with me. Wow. It's well, and, 180 degrees around, Tony. Yeah, that's ba- that's backwards. I mean, I appreciate I appreciate you letting me on the show and I know you have other callers, but um Well, actually we I'm don't so- right this minute, but that doesn't mean we won't have one shortly. Oh no, okay. I didn't uh, want to tie you up. Well, you let know, me um, let me ask you a question while I've got you. My understanding is they're looking at some of these applications for special needs and part of those have been defined as carrying money at night or doing business with people at weird hours when others aren't around. That sounds like they're okay. going to authorize drug dealers, pimps, and prostitutes to me. Well, yeah, well, here's the thing. There's different licenses. There's, there's carry concealed, which I, which I have, and then there is premises, which allows you to own the gun on your premises only. So if you own a quarter acre land in a, in a village, that's it. You can't shoot it. Yeah. If you own 20 acres of land in, uh, in Bath, New York, you can. But Bath is going to give you an unrestricted permit anyway. The other one's a business license. So if somebody's a shopkeeper in Manhattan or the Bronx, they can get issued a permit where they can keep the gun within their business only. They can't take it outside their business. And that law goes back to 1913, okay? So it, most people just apply for the carry concealed permit, and then the judges decide whether or not they're going to grant it to them. And it depends upon which county you're in, depends upon whether you get it at all or how long it's going to take. Okay. Well, and, it, and, and that's where the... I understand discretion somewhat on some of these. Maybe here in Florida, it's it's a shall issue. As long as you meet the criteria, they cannot deny it to you. Exactly, um, I have one. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, this was one of the simplest processes I've ever seen. I go down, I oh, go yeah. do the course, I submit my fingerprints with my picture and the course certification, send it in, and it. Now I understand they were backlogged for a period of time because of how many people. We're actually asking for them down here and getting them, but we don't have to have references. Uh, you, you just, and you don't even have to list a reason why you want it. You just say, "Here's well, my information." Right, the whole process constitutional. Oh, yeah. If you read, it's called the Sullivan Act. Okay, and that was Tim Sullivan, Big Tim Sullivan, wrote that. He was a New York State Assemblyman. He was involved in all sorts of criminal activities. He ended up contracting syphilis. 
And uh, I think he killed himself. So it was a long story on this guy alone on how that license came about. Okay. But if you live in the New York city area, the police commissioner who's appointed by the mayor, unless you're well connected, you know, Sean Hannity or, um, you know, one of those other top, top people in uh, New York city. And, and there are attorneys in New York city that specialize in helping people apply to get their license. They had a, they popped high ranking NYPD officers a few years back for selling permits to people based on, you know, you want to get the process through, I can help get it through. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And, uh, yes, yes. But so they want to they want to accuse us of Southern justice down here. <laughs> oh yeah, well. The other thing about New York is they don't have reciprocity with anybody. Oh no, I know that. So I had a son so that tell went, the listeners, you know, and, and I, I emphasize this with everybody. I talked to a lady on the phone today. She goes, "Well, you're not moving back to New York." I go, "Don't take your guns with you." Because yeah. in New York State, each gun that you have has to be registered on your permit. Yeah. Okay. So what that means is, say you have a New York State pistol permit. You want to buy a gun. You go to a gun dealer, you pick the gun out that you want, he gives you a receipt, okay, and you pay for it. Now you have to take the receipt to the county clerk's office. You have to fill out a form with a county clerk, and uh, that lady will uh, do another background check on you, okay, as well as the 4473 background check you have to do with the gun dealer, okay. Then they'll give you a receipt, and they'll, they'll type it on the back of your uh, on the back of your pistol permit, you take the receipt back to the gun dealer, and that'll let you have the gun. Okay, oh. so every single pistol permit holder in New York State has to have each serial number gun registered on their permit. So say you and I are in New York and we're shooting together. Let's say you had a New York permit, which I know you don't, but say you are, okay, and um, we could shoot together on the range, and I'll let you shoot my gun. But I can't loan it to you for the weekend because that'd be a felony. Right. Well, and so the, I had a son that would... Let me let me interrupt you for just any impact on crime. Let me interrupt you for just a minute. I had a son that went to college at one of the colleges in New York City, and when he was going up there, in addition to going to college, but to play football, and the football coach told me he said, "When you move him up here, I'm just telling you, do not bring a gun with you. I know you're from Florida, and probably you know eighty percent of the people down there have them." And I looked at him and I said, yeah, I know. I know the rules up here, and I'm not going to get caught with a gun up here. But the problem with that is we had to travel all the way from Florida to New York City, and then I had to travel all the way back without having a gun with me, which I, I that almost never happens. But Well, that brings, that brings up, I'm going to another direction, which is awesome, Tony. Uh, 18 U.S. Code Section 926A, Interstate Transportation Firearms. So I tell all my students... Okay, even the New York State students, if you're going from point A to point B anywhere in the United States, you can possess your firearm, legally possess it in A, you can legally possess it in B. Okay, you can travel through, it's called safe passage. Right. Okay, let's say you're going to New York State and you're going, let's say you're going to visit your cousin Bob and cousin Mary in Vermont, okay, which has no permit. You leave New York, uh, you, you leave Florida, you can travel all the way up until the Maryland border, then you got to lock the gun in the trunk. Yeah. Okay, once you get out of Maryland, okay, into Pennsylvania, you can put your gun back on your hip. Now you're traveling through PA, you're coming up on the New York State border. You got to stop at PA, lock that gun in the trunk separate from the ammo. Okay, now you're traveling through New York, okay, into Vermont. Don't stay overnight in a hotel in New York State with that gun locked in the trunk. That's a felony. And, well, and if your car gets stolen, believe me, you're going to get arrested. There are 
the other thing we tell people, if you're flying in and out of New York City, let's say you got to change planes in New York City. Okay? And then your plane gets the, gets delayed, like you're flying southwest now, okay? Yeah. And uh, you don't pick up your luggage. You know, tell the flight attendant you want to talk to local law enforcement, have them hold on to your luggage overnight for you until your plane leaves the next morning. Because they will pop you for it. And there are attorneys in New York City that specialize in helping people who are traveling that pick their gun up at the airport unknowing they can't possess it. That, see, that to me is just utterly ridiculous. And Matt, I sure appreciate you calling in today. Uh, it's well, been thank you very much for having me on, Tony. No problem. And thank you for calling in. Folks, there is a firsthand account from somebody that, that has dealt with the rules and regulations in the state of New York of how confusing and absolutely idiotic it is. Uh, that's why that area was targeted to be able to be part of the the suit that landed in the U.S. Supreme Court so the U.S. Supreme Court could deal with it. New York is one of eight states with a may-issue status or may-issue policy. Uh, that includes California, Delaware, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Rhode Island. Uh, the granting of a permit is subject to state criteria, but it's up to a local authority to, to, to determine whether or not you have established proper cause, whatever that means, to be able to have a permit in those states. The other 42 states do not have those types of rules, regulations, where they can discretionarily issue them. Everybody else is more of what we call a shall-issue state. As long as you fit the criteria of not being a convicted felon, uh, that you have not had any domestic violence issues where you've been convicted or had an injunction issued against you, and you've done the proper course and you submit the paperwork, you're looking at being able to be issued. I've got more on this after the break. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM. Welcome back to The Legal Legal Show. This is your host, Tony Dodds. I'm an attorney here in Lakeland. To call into the show, the number is 863-682-1430. Uh, to contact me at my office, the number is 863-688-2389. That's 863-688-2389. We've been talking about the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin case that had oral arguments last Wednesday, November 3rd. And we've had a, two great callers in a row that kind of went into some different topics, but the one particularly focused on the issues because he was from New York and had experienced these problems up there and know, knew more of the history of it. And now I'm going to dive into the court a little bit. I think we're getting to see or getting ready to see the Trump effect on the U.S. Supreme Court. With the appointments of Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, along with Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas, we have five, I don't want to say hardcore conservatives, but certainly conservatives that would be advocates towards Second Amendment rights um, and would be considered to be pro-Second Amendment type advocates. That's five. Folks, that's all it takes to have the majority. John Roberts, who is the Chief Justice, has been a fence-sitter uh, from almost day one. Even if we don't have him as part of the opinion on this, and I think he will ride along as part of the opinion, simply because it, it makes it easy for him to do it when he's got that many others available already involved. Uh, but he would be a sixth, so that would put you in a 6-3 split. 
um, over any type of an opinion that might be rendered in this. Through the written commentary I have uh, gone through as it would relate to the oral arguments, while uh, Justice Thomas, and I, I tend to believe it will either be him or Brett Kavanaugh that will write the opinion on this uh, simply because of the lead that they seem to take in the questioning uh, of the two attorneys that were dealing with the oral arguments on this, did acknowledge that he could see a, a possibility of having to tailor rights differently from New York City to, say, the upstate New York region. You're talking about a much less populated, more rural area versus a extremely densely populated inner city. The problem is, does a person's rights really change, though, when they go from the city to upstate? And are we going to exclude the person that's got up, uh, a right to conceal carry in upstate New York from being able to use that same right in New York City. Um, Kagan, believe it or not, was trying to uh, acknowledge that, yes, there might be a difference between, say, the states of New York and Wyoming. Well, Wyoming's an open carry uh, state, which means you don't have to have a license to conceal carry. You can literally open carry out there. Having been to Wyoming, though, a lot of people don't open carry. I was there for an entire week between, you know, from a, a Saturday all the way until the following Sunday. And I never saw but maybe one or two guns on somebody's hip the entire time I was there. So even though they had the ability and the right to open carry, I think a lot of people were still doing the concealed carry. And their crime rate in the state of Wyoming is ridiculously low. Uh, and that's because most people own a gun, protect themselves with a gun, and are tend to be of the law-abiding nature. To say they don't have bad crimes at times, they do. It happens. But at the same time, they acknowledge the ability of what we call shall issue. And that when I say there was eight states with a may issue, such as New York, the other 42 states have shall issue permits which means you all you have to do is meet the minimum qualifications and the state has to give you the license as long as you pay for it and renew it. Um, as far as trying to evaluate these laws, there's two different ways to evaluate this type of law. Um, the lower courts in the past have used the contemporary cost and benefit of gun regulation. Um, and that's kind of the, the way the lower federal courts had been using in the past. In other words, ha, ha, balancing the individual ability to carry versus the benefit of gun regulation and trying to analogize it or analysis, put an analysis on it that way. Justice Kavanaugh, though, has been approaching it differently uh, ever since he was on the District Court of Appeals or the uh, District Court in Washington, D.C., and then the circuit court, which would be the appellate court, quickly so that everybody understands the difference. In the federal system, your lower court is the district court. The next level court, which is the first level of appeal, is the circuit court of appeals. It's kind of backwards from what we do in Florida state court system. In the Florida state court system, the lower court would be the circuit court. The next court up, which is your court of appeals, is the district court of appeals. And then within the U.S. Uh, courts, the U.S. Supreme Court would be the highest level, much like in Florida, our Florida Supreme Court is the highest appellate court in state law. But anyway, Kavanaugh's approach has been to look at how it was done at the country's founding or during 
reconstruction, and it depends on what issue you're talking about. In this case, we'd be looking at the founding of the country as it would relate to gun rights. Well, when this country was founded, each individual had the ability to own and possess firearms until the British monarch, the king, tried to restrict those rights because of the uprising and upswelling. And so our original abilities here, even predating the formation of this government, was that we had the ability to own and possess firearms, and we could own as many as we want. We could do what we wanted to with them as long as it was for a lawful purpose. Uh, In this case, based on the discussions that occurred, and I say discussions, the questions that were issued, even from justices like Kagan, it looks like this this rule and regulation type process, this statutory authority in New York, is getting ready to be overturned. Now, when will that happen? They're probably not going to have a decision on this until June of next year. And you may be asking, well, why? The, the U.S. Supreme Court only meets for a period of a few months. Uh, there's an old movie out there that kind of helps everybody remember when they start. It's the first Monday of October. That is the first Monday of the next cycle of when they meet. And they meet until sometime after the first of the year. I don't know the exact date. But during that time, they're hearing oral arguments and then formulating what coalitions they need to to figure out an opinion in which a majority will then issue an opinion on a given case. And they delegate then to which justice uh it's going to go to for purposes of writing the opinion. Some justices take a much more hands-on approach than others to writing their own opinions. Some of them will hand it to one of the law clerks, and they've got tons of law clerks up there, folks. It could be three to five, even more, per justice. They will hand it to a law clerk and say, here's what we want to do with this. This is the way we want this to go. Write me an opinion. Now, some of the other justices in the past have actually handed it to two different law clerks and had each one of them write it a different way so they could try to formulate something themselves that would actually make sense based on two different approaches. So it takes a while to get this stuff written despite the length of the briefs that were offered, the oral arguments that have already offered, and probably the predisposition of certain justices to rule a certain way anyway. It still takes a while to get it done, and then they start releasing the publication of these uh, opinions, which are binding on lower courts as well as the states, but they start issuing these opinions uh, in the same order roughly or usually as when the oral arguments were conducted on the cases. Um, And so it's going to be interesting to see how that all turns out with this set of cases and I I truly believe that based on the appointments that have been made to this court, uh, we've obviously got a shift in at least one justice as far as the way that would be going towards uh, voting in favor of gun rights because of the uh, difference between having, say, um, a a Brett Kavanaugh or an Amy Coney Barrett uh, in exchange for the justices that have gone that are not there anymore that they're replacing. And so I I think that you're going to see 
a, a major shift at this point. And then a lot of people are going to go, well, what is that going to do to those other seven states that I talked about earlier, California, Delaware, Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Rhode Island? The smart thing for them to do would be to have their legislature start dealing with reformatting or reforming their own licensing processes based on whatever this U.S. Supreme Court ruling is, because this ruling will not only be directed at New York, but it will be a an opinion that will be binding nationwide. Its primary effect and primary focus would be on New York, but obviously if these other states have those same problems, they need to address it sooner rather than later so that they can try to get ahead of the problem. Otherwise, they're each going to be facing individual lawsuits uh, to try to overturn the, the provisions of those states. And a lot of them are going to have to deal with some other issues that may not necessarily be addressed in this opinion. But I think we're going to get back to magazine capacity, uh, the types of, of firearms that can be owned. All of those are things that are now going to be open season at the U.S. Supreme Court level uh, because they can be addressed now at the lower courts and make their way up. And now is the time for those things. As we used to say, it's time for the chickens to come home to roost. They may be coming home to roost in the next couple of years. And this is a much younger version of the court now, again, because you have guys like Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett. They're going to be on that court for a long time. And now we understand during the last election cycle, and even after that election, why President Biden was talking about he would not be opposed to expanding the number of justices on the court. They're trying to mitigate the position of this court as it exists right now and override those positions of those justices and increase the numbers. That's why they want to pack the court, so to speak. You've been listening to Talk Radio 96.7 FM and 1430 AM, and I look forward to talking to you more next week.